Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right, all right, all right. Before we get started today, we just wanted to say welcome to the club. Footwork.club is now live, the official footwork website where you can find all the footwork content, including some new features. That's right. Along with our podcasts and guests, you can find exclusive written articles, including blogs about our own stories, free products that can help with chasing the dream, as well as our first official merch. All that and more. So join the club. All right. Very excited for this episode. Um, We're sitting down with Max Mansfield, who is part of the Foosball Project, who back in 2017 was actually the, the reason that I came to Germany, helped me get over here, which then in return brought Dylan to Germany. So we mm-hmm. are forever indebted to you, Max. Welcome to Footwork. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm in New York, so you might hear some sirens in the background. It adds no. to the aesthetic. It really yeah. does. Exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, Max, our motto here at Footwork is making your own path, just essentially not meaning held to the normal routes. And what does make your own path mean to you? Um, you know, I, I think as a, as a purist of the game, uh, you know, you, you start to realize that it's, it's not always going to work out at some age. It's not going to work out how you, you know, dreamt it to be or how you, you dreamt it as a youth player, but just accepting that there's just that uncertainty um, and just, you know, enjoying the process uh, wherever the game takes you. Love yeah, that. absolutely love that. I mean, I think um, we'll dive into so many of the different avenues that you've had your hands in, but I'd like to start with the present. So what has been taking your focus right now? What is your passion right now? And what does it look like? Yeah, so I, I, I'm currently running uh, two programs. Um, the one is domestic uh, in the States. It's called Two Bridges Football Club. Um, and that's a nonprofit. It seeks to help inner city soccer players um, get academic help, uh, obviously soccer training and leadership development. Uh, and it's purely donation based. So mm-hmm. there's no you know, financial barrier for these guys to play. Um, so that's what I've been working on in America. And then in Germany, I still have Fußball Project, which you know has, has detoured and made a lot of stops along the way as to what our mission is. And, and, and right now what gets me excited about is just helping young um young american players get abroad to germany in, in the right fit that's really what we've been you know made our bread and butter um so those two things have really been been chewing up my time and getting me getting me excited and with and with two bridges what kind of led you to this decision what made you say okay there is this issue and you know me along with other people can be ones that can help rectify it and help uh, players, you know, who, who have those barriers to the game? Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, growing up in New York city, or uh, you know, you get such a, such a melting pot of players in different cultures. And I saw players that maybe didn't get the same opportunities I did that were maybe better players. Right. And, and it, it led me to understand that, uh, you know, talent is distributed equally, but opportunity is not, uh, especially in America. So I think just seeing that, you know, a, a small incremental uh, change or, or support for some of these inner city players can lead to monumental differences in their life, right? And it doesn't always need to be college. It, 
it could be as simply as, you know, playing football, getting your coaching license, maybe going to Europe, um, or even as simple as if you left the program that, you know, I need to show up places on time. I need to shake people in the hand, you know, look them in the eye. And like those kind of little caveats, I think make a world of difference for, for a young man that doesn't have much direction. Totally agree. And, and what about the bringing the young players over to Europe? We actually just spoke to uh, Mark Dillon of the Talent Project, who's kind of doing a similar thing, uh, bringing young Americans over. Now, how has that been going? And, and how do you see these young players um, kind of fitting into the system over here? Yeah, um, you know, we've got players in the, I would say, the top two leagues, um, mainly in the West. Uh, and our big thing is that you know, the common denominator for the players we bring over is uh, a willingness to want to develop or fast track development, right? Obviously, every kid, uh, you know, wants to play at the highest level. And, and, and I think that's what keeps kids showing up. It keeps them motivated. And I'm not in the business of crushing those dreams, right? But I think for most players, especially in Germany, it, it finds itself out on its own, right? And I don't have to be the guy to say, hey, I don't think you're going to make it at this level, right? Everybody kind of sinks or swims at their own level. Um, so that's been really helpful. And, and a big part of what we push is uh, if it doesn't work out in Europe and you want to make the trip back to America or back elsewhere in Europe, like we'll continue to manage and support those moves for you. So if it's college and we want to get into that uh, network or if it's going to maybe somewhere that's uh, easier like uh, Denmark or Sweden to rise up the ranks, like we're, uh, happy to open up those doors because, you know, what's daunting is you could be in the Oberliga, let's say, in, in Westfalen, and you think like, wow, I'm in the fifth league and like my other center mid is an electrician and this guy's a baker or something. And it's like, this is pro, this is not what I dream. But that doesn't mean that at that current level, you're not a pro player in many other countries. And that could be very deceptive here. So just understanding that like, this is the place to develop whether it's optically as nice as you uh, mm. is, a, is a different conversation. Yeah, that's a great point you make too. And I, I also believe that that somehow in Germany, in my experience, and when I've talked to other players is that, like you said, everyone kind of gets to the level that they should play at. Like there's, I feel like it's less of a lot of back doors and knowing people. It's like, if you are a good player, you can, at some point with persistence, you'll get to the level that you can play at. And like you said, you don't have to tell someone, hey, you're not good enough. Like they're going to find out if they're good enough for the level or not. And yeah, it's very feeling. Like when I tell kids like, all right, so what clubs are you taking me to? And I'll say like, well, you're going to like SG Wattenscheid 09. There's got to be a mistake. Like, is that a spelling error? Like, what is that? Mm. And so it's like, well, no, but I can open the door to Schalke. I can get Schalke to come and Bochum to come. But like, that's where you're going to start. And like, they'll go there or like Victoria Kern, we sent some kids and like, they were like, what on earth? This is insane. And it's like, yeah, you have to go there. There's no other way but to go there. Because I could tell stories about how good it is and this and that. And every parent is like, you know, I want to go to this club. I want to go to this club. So it's, it's a different animal once you're on the ground in Europe. And I just think any young player should have the opportunity to to see the, the, the width of talent, you know, mm. the depth of it in, in Europe. How do you manage those expectations with players? Because I know, know Sean and I, when we got out of college, it was, you know, you look for a name a lot, kind of like you said, of, of 
what level and then you look at the, the tier what tier am i playing at without realizing that you know it's probably the most important thing like we've talked talk, touched on to get into a place like germany and then try and rise up the levels and get seen and get experience and learn the tactical avenues of it all so how do you manage that for a young player who's probably looking at i just want to go pro i just want to be a pro baller but you know there's there's some work i have to do first to get to that yeah um it's it's a really good question it's a really tricky process uh one of the steps we're now taking is we're we're in the process of acquiring a club that just operates at the youth level um but the idea there is to say, look, any player that comes through the door, they their first step, whether it's trial or a year-long time they want to commit, they go to that club. Um, and we will bring the people to that club, but you essentially, you, you can eliminate the risk there, right? You can still say, and I've been wrong about a lot of players, and you can still say, look, Dortmund's going to come, Schalke's going to, because to get a scout to come on a Thursday night to a club in Dusseldorf is very realistic, right? But to get... A, a player from not a big club in America into Dortmund is extremely unrealistic. So you can eliminate the risk by getting them to look at the mm -hmm. players there and say like, look, what do you think? What level is he at? And then the big club may say no, but MSV Duisburg, which we had the other week a kid go to, they may say, oh, he's a great fit. Let's bring him in for a week. So you can kind of like manage the, you know, your risk as a, as a name and as a brand, but also, have the players understand like, look, you are getting the eyes from the very best. Um, but on the end, it's up to them. We can open the door, but we're not in the business of like pushing you through or, or getting pro on the political side. Cause as you guys know, it, it doesn't really exist in Germany. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like I could be on the board and my son will play every game. Like it's, it's that, you know, that, that kind of stops in America. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And how is the, um, how is the feeling? I mean, the West is kind of the hotbed of Germany with so many teams uh, in the Bundesliga and second Bundesliga. How is the feeling of you bringing over Americans? Are they highly interested in young Americans? Is that kind of an expanding new market? Of course, they're getting in players from all over the world. Everyone's trying to send players there. Um, but it seems like more and more Americans are coming over and playing in the big leagues here. Yeah, I mean, actually, I there was like an agent I was talking to uh last week and he said like the american market is is moving towards what the brazilian market was 10 years ago that clubs in europe are just overpaying for american players i forget the name of the player that went to roma um is it brian I, brian reynolds yeah that's it yeah. like he played i suppose this is an mls guy who was telling me but he was like he hadn't played that many games in MLS. He hadn't shown that much, right? He had some glimpses, but it wasn't like, all right, this guy is a no brainer, but they paid, I think like, like nine or eight to 12 million in that window, which like years ago for an MLS player, that wasn't like be ridiculous. MLS, would yeah. you'd be insane. But it's kind of like, everybody's like, oh, let's take a chance. He's an American kid. Uh, at the very least, we can get some branding, some marketing in the States. Like there's just like, you know, it's like the Nicholas Pepe deal. Like, mm. it's such a hot market right now. Um, so I think clubs are always interested. Um, the, the West, you just have the beauty that you could, you know, we have like a player house there. Um, and the players that live there, like they have access to so many clubs living in the same place where like if you lived in, 
you know, Südwest Germany, like you may have to have each kid travel two hours or the options are limited. If you don't make it at Saarbrücken and Elversburg, you're done. Like that's mm. it. Find the lower. Where here it's like you have Oberhausen, you have Essen, then you get into the Oberliga clubs, Victoria Köln, Fortuna, like there's just such a array of clubs that, that you can get to that are, you know, well-structured and well-funded. I would love to pick your brain on the idea of scouting because I mean, I can't imagine how many players you've placed at this, at this time. And I would just like to know some of the things you look for, um, whether it's on the field or even off the field for someone who you think, Oh, I can bring this player to Germany and, you know, we'll have a real chance at getting him something. Yeah. Um, I think in technique is the, is like, you know, the, the first step, if that isn't the foundation of the house, I think it's very difficult to make it in, in Germany. Um, that, that's, you know, the, the one, uh, if that's not there, it's tough to, you know, you can get a player fit. I say in three months to six months, you can get a player strong in six months to a year. You can change a player's mentality in three months. But to build like a proper first touch, I mean, that takes years. It's mm. so hard. Uh, so I would say that's that's the first basis. Um, and then they need, you know, in modern day football, they don't, you know, they need a change of pace. They don't need to be the fastest person ever, but it's very difficult to not have a change of pace, both in recovery and offensively to be deceptive. There needs to be some change of pace and it, it breaks my heart and like I zero change of pace and that's probably <laughs> the overlegal was my final destination, but the modern day game, it just requires that. Um, and then the third aspect is like a mentality thing. Um, I think there's guys that you can take a chance on and they can get to Europe and get hit and they recover and say, all right, I'm up for this. And there's a big group that says, no, nah, this is just not for me. Mm. Um, to see, it, it, you know, to front run the train and when you see them in the States to say like, okay, you know, this player can kind of like, you know, can this kid live alone in like a basement in like Oberhausen? Yes or no. Yeah. You know, not right away, but if he's not willing to do that, like it's just not going to work, you know, mm. and you can get that out pretty early. You can get that from a conversation. I could tell from Sean immediately, he was extremely willing to live. In- <laughs> <laughs> from Mongolia. <laughs> <laughs> I was so that was my next question is is there a difference when you're scouting uh, older players men versus young kids uh I mean I'm I'm not in the men's game as much I have mm-hmm. done like I'm working at both in in the states and in in Europe um I think with the men's players it's uh them managing their expectations with a lot of them um if you've got guys that are like look i really want to play in the champions league in 18 months it's like oh okay it's going to be difficult like we're going to both be disappointed at the end of this but if you've got guys that are like look just open the door i want to see how far i can take this that's a different aspect right like the men's players that are already established they're not scouting they're probably not coming through us um though we've helped guys that like you know ran out of the usl contract and like have a deal for next year, but need something to fill the gap. Like we've helped them, you know, I've, I've helped a couple of friends on that regard. Um, but yeah, I think that's the, the biggest difference is managing expectations. And what about when you get it wrong, I guess, or when a player kind of misuses your connections and trust, because at the end of the day, it's your time. 
it's your connections, which, you know, you've built a lifetime making. So what is that experience like when a, when a player doesn't really, you know, hold his end of the value in terms of being a good model trial player or, you know, using your name to the best effect? Yeah, it's rough. I mean, it's, it's, especially in Europe, it's a cutthroat game. Like Sean was saying, everybody's trying to push players into Germany specifically. So it's like, you know, you're not the only one in line. Uh, I'll never forget. We had a kid, this was pre COVID. Um, we sent a kid to Schalke or, or Schalke invited a player of ours and he did well, trained well. And then after, and this was partly my fault after goes in the locker room, picks up his bag, walks out, doesn't ask if he should return the training gear. And as you guys know, doesn't say bye to anybody and then doesn't shower. And it, again, I should have been like hard about it. Like those are like three imperative things, but I just thought like, ah, oh, just whatever happens on the field, like, you know, nail it there and you're good to go. And this was early days of me doing this, but it took a lot of convincing until we got our next player there. Cause we got the rep of like, ah, oh, those guys have bad attitudes or they're prima donnas or, and you know, all sorts of things in it. And it made it really difficult, you know? you're not the only one, you know, trying to get players opportunities. And how do you approach it now? Do you have that conversation beforehand? How to walk yeah. into a locker room and greet every player and say hello to the coach? And Yeah, I try and prepare players as best they can. I think um, little incremental changes can make your experience in Europe like so different and things I wish I told everybody. Um, like to learn, like if you know, like the players I have now that are that are have deals to go to Europe in the summer for preseason. It's like, yeah, from now until July. I'm not saying you need to be fluent in German, hmm. but learn like Hintermann, Klatschen, like these things will a, a coach that's already a little bit uncomfortable with his own English has such an easy reason to just not play you. But if you can eliminate that barrier, right, and and fit in like another German player, right, like then you really have a chance to come in right away and make a difference. So like saying hi to every guy, um, helping carry things, saying bye to people, like looking people in the eye. Um, on the men's side, like the harsh reality is like, especially if you're playing like Oberliga, like maybe stay for a beer on somebody's birthday. Like I was like, mm. like, oh, I don't drink alcohol, like goodbye. And I was just like, all right, just have something. It's not about the alcohol. It's like, just be like, show that you have skin in the game and that, you're pulling the same ship that they are, you know? So I do like a little, I don't want to call it course, but like just like an intro packet that I give these guys to say like, look, these things would really help you. Um, and it does. I mean, you guys, you guys know how it is. Yeah, it's a great, I like that one because, you know, we both play in the Oberliga and, you know, when you get the Kista for a guy's birthday, you get a crate of beers or something. There's always some guys who, you know, will just have a soda or something like that. So like you said, it's, a, it's not about the idea of drinking a beer if you don't want to drink, if you're taking that training seriously in the upcoming games very seriously. Just be there. Just kind of try. I think that's a thing that Sean and I preach a lot about this is with the language, with the culture, with the teammates, always just make an effort because I think you can attest to this. They always respect that. For sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget. Like. A coach once told me, and he said, look, I know you have dreams to play higher and higher and higher, but right now you're here, right? And he said, I have dreams to coach higher and higher, but right now we're here. We need to accept that we're just here right now, 
right? And, and to appreciate this season for what it is. And the club gives us money to get them promoted. They don't give us money to see you play at the highest level, right? And like to just understand that like this is in some senses, this club is a business as well. And like they want everybody employed to be like all in for that employer and not have their head somewhere else at some other place. Um, I think that was something that really like stuck out to me. And just for young players to understand even more so that like football is a business and like I go about it very gently and friendly with families and, and players, but like, I'm not changing the fact that it is like the dirtiest business that exists. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point you make too about like basically where you are at the current moment is the most important place because I've been on teams where, you know, a player is not going to resign for next year and they just piss off the last few months. And I would never put my neck out for that player. Whereas if, yeah. you know, they consistently perform, I would say, you know what? Hey, listen, it wasn't going great at this team, but he's a very good player. You know, I wouldn't, I would not mind making a phone call. And I see that so often uh, in both directions that yeah. I've had people ask me, Hey, how is this player? And I said, no, like, I don't like his attitude. And then I've said, yeah, he's a great person. I would love to sign him and play with him again. That's yeah, interesting how that works. I mean, it is like, it's like any other business. It's like, you know, your coworkers, that's the first person people are going to ask, you know, it's a, and it's a smaller world than people think, especially yeah. in Germany. Always a smaller world. I'd like to come back a little bit more about your upbringing in terms of the things that have kind of shaped your path along this. I mean, you kind of had that bridge um, between Germany and Dortmund and Dortmund and Germany. You were born in Germ- in Dortmund, correct? Yeah, I was born in Dortmund. So, I mean, that connection between Dortmund, NYC, where you kind of have, I mean, New York is the energy where you can, you know, make any dream happen, pursue anything. And then Germany and especially Dortmund has one of the best fan cultures and and football cultures in the world. How do you feel like these kind of two worlds helped shape you for your passions and and what you're doing now? Yeah. um, You know, I, I, Grew up in New York City, obviously, and always, you know, played soccer. Um, And then when I'd be home in or in Germany during like school breaks, I'd always go to Dortmund games. So I was kind of spoiled with that, like fan culture and understanding like, you know, this is my version of an ideal club very early on. Um, But I would say it was uh, less about Dortmund and more about a club called SV Herbeda. Um, so what was very interesting or is still very interesting is that on Saturdays in like, you know, late nineties, early two thousand, on Saturdays, you'd always go to the Bundesliga game, mm-hmm. same kickoff time, every Bundesliga game. And Sunday you would go to your local club, Oberliga, Landesliga, right? Um, that was just how the common knowledge and, you know, probably because NFL schedules led to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, um, and then Premier League did it. And then Bundesliga had to follow suit. But it, it, it kind of destroyed or has destroyed lower league football somewhat. Because now instead of going there on Sunday, I'll say, you know what, let me watch Leipzig play Leverkusen. I'll just sit on my couch and do that. And I won't throw eight bucks into the club, into the local. Mm. Over- so that was the really sweet. I mean, it still exists, the lower league. But it's, it just, it's a shame what it's become. Um, but those were really fond memories, like sitting there with my grandfather, having like Bratwurst. He was a sponsor of one of the clubs on smaller tier. Um, but that led me to understand that, like, <clears throat> how 
football can bring together a community and could bring together people, um, which is always something, you know, that, that, that stood, you know, in my heart, this is what, what football should stand for. Um, this is it in its purest form, you know? Um, so then growing up in New York, um, I bounced around at some clubs. I played with Manhattan Kickers and Gachi and Met Oval. Um, and then at 15, uh, I had the opportunity to go abroad to trial at some bigger clubs um, and bounced around um, and then got to play there at a, at a good level, but was just homesick. I wasn't ready. Um, my grandfather had also just passed and uh, it was just really difficult and, and I wasn't mentally ready. It is still my probably single biggest regret to not just stay, right? So it was a deal. So the agent I was working with, uh, he like won the Europa League or the UEFA Cup at the time with Schalke. So he sent me to Schalke and then I went to Wattenscheid, which was like their feed like their B team, so to speak. And I was kind of up and down between the two. Um, and I just didn't have, uh, you know, the knowledge to be like, you need to stay here at any cost. Like after a year, things will come around and you'll figure it out. But I convinced myself and, and, and I can't even take myself serious saying this, but I convinced myself that like going back to the U S and playing at Med Oval would be like a better option. Cause I just wanted to believe that I wanted to be around like my girlfriend and my friends and like go to prom. Um, so I, so I come back um, and then I had that aha moment. So I'm back here, like sophomore year, junior year in high school playing in middle of like, it was like the first years of development Academy. And then uh, I got an opportunity to go back to Europe um, and then went on trial at Hamburg, went on trial at Energie Cottbus, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and then landed at Cologne. Uh, so I was at Cologne. And then they had a, it was my last year of youth. And they said, look, like you need to toughen up. Like this is just not uh, enough for the German level. We're going to send you out to this Oberliga team. So then I go to Tus Ennepetal, which is where I've sent like tons of players, mm -hmm. uh, Oberliga club, which is really well set up. But then I'm like 17 and a half, just turning 18, like in an Oberliga environment. Um, and that was just like a shock to the system. Like I'll never forget. Uh, it was like our first game or first game that I play. And it's like, and we're like mid table. We could slip into relegation, but I thought it didn't really matter. And I get the ball like the top of the box and I like try and like turn a guy and I lose it. And the guy just like lasers it into the top corner. And we lose. And I'll never forget, I walked back into the locker room and like all my stuff was just in the shower and the shower was on. <laughs> oh my God. Like, oh my God. The, uh, like, this is the worst sport ever. Like, this sucks. <laughs> one of the older guys who's like 34 takes me like behind like the clubhouse and was like, listen, like, we play for the bonus. Like, we play for the fucking bonus here. Like, mm -hmm. none of us have a big base and we need that point bonus. So like you can do whatever you want and think you're going to play at this level. But like, while you're here, you play for the bonus just as much as we do. Mm. And like that was just like a revelation to me. Like that was like, I wish that happened four years earlier, but man, was it scary at the time. Can only imagine. Can only imagine seeing my stuff in the shower. <laughs> my God. 
That was daunting. I mean, yeah, like, it's just, that's when you learn it's a business. I mean, that's a yeah. hard <laughs> But every player realizes at some point that, like, oh, wow, this is really nitty-gritty and we're playing for something. I mean, so you were going back and forth. And I, I mean, New York City, Sean and I have both played too. I mean, you have a lot of great talent. You have a lot of great teams because you have a, a big international culture there. So you have, you know, great players that play in things like the Cosmopolitan League and things like this. But what was like the main differences from playing at Met Oval and you bring into Germany, you know, especially at these, these ages that it was like night and day for you? Uh, I think the physical the physicality and the tempo. Um, like even when I bring kids now, they're like, we watched like a U19 Bundesliga game and it wasn't like top Bundesliga. It was like Armenia Bielefeld against Duisburg, u 19 And they're just like battering each other. And they're like, this ref is out of control. Like he hasn't called anything. I was like, dude, this is, this is normal. Like this mm. is, you know, like people just batter each other. It's war for 90 minutes. And, um, you know, for, for as much, talent as there is in new york like you'll never know if somebody's a talented dribbler unless he's like you know under the electric so to speak like unless he's there and like under that pressure and gets kicked like you know whacked so i think the physicality and the tempo are just like so different in in germany um that it's tough it's tough to even scout because you just don't know yeah yeah i can imagine too and also making the jump from from youth football to Oberliga, where you said you're playing with you know, people twice your age. Um, and they're going to let you know that too, that any chance they get, especially, you know, the first few trainings, your teammates will kind of welcome you to, to Germany. Um, certainly happened to me and you just kind of accept it. And <laughs> when you have a chance, give it back. And then like, you're part of the group, you know, it's almost like a, a welcome, welcome to the club. Yeah. You earn your respect. Like, and a couple of weeks later, I mean, it sounds a bit too fairy tale, but a couple of weeks later, there was like a, play where it was like a back post cross and I was like backpedaling and I like headed it back over our goal and like there was a free man and like that was like a turning point we're like all right this guy's about it like he just tracked like 70 yards to like clear a ball like essentially off the line so it felt like at that point my goal was like I was so messed up in the head my goal was not to play pro Mm -hmm. my goal was just like let me just let this fucking team accept me as a human you know, mm. you just crave that. Like, mm. let me let them, I want to be one of them. Mm. You know, like, it was so bizarre how that all played out. So where did this take you with this Oberliga season? What came next? So I did two years of Oberliga. So my last, or a year and a half since we might, it was my senior year of high school and then a gap year. Um, and then there was some opportunities to like go on trial uh, at regional Liga teams. I, I, I played somewhat consistently, but I think the fact that I was just like younger caught the attention of some people foreign. Um, but then w- was having like some groin injuries. Um, and the agent I was working with, he uh, like the second half of that last Oberliga season, I, I pulled my groin and he was having me get these like cortisone injections. Oh, wow, uh, that age. Yeah. And I, and I didn't know, you know, if like an older person who's responsible for you sends you to a doctor, like I didn't question it. Mm-hmm. It was just mm-hmm. this you do. like this guy, like won you for cup and this and that, like you just do it. So I get these cortisone injections. I could keep playing. And uh, he was like, well, if you take off and rehab it, like you're going to miss a lot of the season. And like, 
it's going to be tough to get those games in. Um, so I just kept doing it. And then in the summer, um, you know, I remember like one time, like taking off my shorts in the locker room. It was one of the last training sessions and my, like my leg was like, I can be a little, you know, like it was like purple. Right. And I was internally bleeding from these injections. And at that point, I, you know, I, I sort of panicked and I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is, this is my health. And, um, but I was so happy to be playing and I was so blinded by craving, like to want to play higher. So I take that summer off. I tell the agent, I don't want to work with him anymore. And he had me sign a non-compete. Mm. Meaning I couldn't sign with another agent. And you guys know, like without an agent, like really make that jump in a Regional Liga was tricky, especially Regional Liga West. Um, so that summer I kind of rehabbed it and was at a crossroads uh, and then had the opportunity through, you know, I played with like a summer team in the city, like an NPSL team. And some of the guys I, I played with like towards the end of the summer were like, look, like if you're not able to get a deal back in Europe, you should look at universities here. You should consider that. Um, so through some contacts, I had the opportunity to get into some good universities. Um, I was in talks. I got into Boston College and Duke. Uh, through soccer, which is where I really wanted to go. Um, and then my mom actually, or both my parents had the wisdom to say, look, like you don't know what's going to happen with this injury. Some of these Ivy League schools that are not as good at soccer, like the offers they're giving you or the money they're giving you is not tied to soccer. So whether you get hurt or not, you have four years like your education is paid for. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, I took that advice and uh, was able to attend Columbia and then Cornell um, and sort of put, put soccer, you know, to the side for a bit. Um, still had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to play after school, but I knew it was tricky. And once you, like for me, pro soccer at that age was Champions League, which mm. is a very clouded. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, but so that was kind of where my journey led into university. And I know you spent a lot, um, some time working in the finance sector, uh, as did I. And I was just wondering if what kind of made you make that switch uh, to be to pursue things more involved in football, like the foosball project and then with New yeah. Amsterdam and then Two Bridges as now. Was it did it feel unfulfilling to you? Did it things did it feel like, you know, you were still too tied to the game of football and you really wanted to put more time and energy into it? Or what was that? Yeah, I, I, I think it was like my own insecurities. Um, you know, I had a bit of an identity crisis and thought like, you know, who am I? What am I good at? Is there is there a sector where I believe I could excel or are these sectors where I could just become marginally good, right? And I thought, look, the only thing where I think I could really success, uh, succeed and be uh, at, at peace with myself uh, would be to dive into the football sector, but I didn't really know how, you know, I knew I didn't want to just be a coach. I'm very like entrepreneurial and, um, like that excitement, that startup phase of it. Uh, so that just led me to say, look, I'm, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try and help, uh, players or do some coaching in America. And then a club in Europe actually asked, Hey, would you be interested in coming over to play? I said, like, ah, I can't with my injuries and stuff like that. I wish, but I could send this other guy. Um, 
so I send a player over there and they're like, wow, this guy's really good. Like, do you have two more? And I thought, like, wow, that's business in itself. Like, you know, there it is right there. So I started with just men's combines and helped men, uh, men's players get over. It was Sweden, Germany, and Italy at the time where we did, you know, the bulk of our, um, our work. And do you find any barriers within, I mean, I don't really know too much about the Italian market, but is, do you find that that's a tough place to place a tough place to place American players? Yeah. Very difficult. Mm. Um, I, 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 it, it comes down to funding, right? Mm. Like everybody has their own opinion and idea, but the reality is it just comes down to money in the sense that the, you know, uh, my friend plays for World Vice Essen and he's on 12K a month. Like, wow, yeah. that's a standard regularity. But my point is, like, where else? England, obviously, but where else is there a fourth league? Making that money? Kind of Nowhere. Nowhere. That, but that allows them to have a youth academy, a stadium, fans, all those things where you say, like, okay, I can play in the fifth league even. And, like, this seems viable. This seems real. Where, like, you know, no disrespect it. You go to the fifth league, like you're playing on a sand field. Hmm. Right. And not, there's not good footballers there, but talk about like mentally, like that's a mind. That's so discouraging to be like, and I'm trying to play pro football and I'm like, there's like a broken glass bottle on my training pitch. It's tough. And I'm not saying these people need to have it optically that pretty, but there is, you know, a, a point of, of, of resistance there. Yeah. So what would you give advice to, um, I mean, any young player or uh, a, a man uh, looking to pursue the game in Europe? I mean, how can you make the jump over? How could they make the jump over to Europe without the likes of yourself helping them? Oh, good question. Um, I mean, I think there's certainly a, a number of other, um, you know, companies that do operate in a similar space. But I would say, like, everybody has, if you dig long enough, like, uh, a friend or a family member that has some house there or this or that and like <clears throat> find, like I've, I did it for a friend of mine um, who went to Reginaldi uh, Oberliga Sudbest he played for Elversburg too um, but I was like look you got if your grandma there like just say hey can I sleep on your couch for three weeks and like every club that's in that area just like reach out to them and like write a generic email mm. and like you need to think outside the box like I think it's I mean, this will probably put me out of business and on the unemployment line, but, um, but I, I seriously, like everybody knows somebody in Europe. It could be your friend mm. that's studying there. It could be, you know, a relative, a friend of your parent, like say, Hey, can I stay there for two weeks? And like, it starts then, right? Like I'll never forget like Luke Finkelstein and, and Jesse Cork who went on to play for like the Cosmos and Anissa. Those were two guys that came over to Europe and like, all the trials I set up fell through. So I said, look, and they were like bugging me. Can we train somewhere? And I said, look, you can train with this team. That's Chrysler C, which is the 11th tier. In Germany. <laughs> like, I was like, just go train, just go kick the ball around. Just like, leave me alone. I'm working on it for next week. It's Friday. I'll work on next Tuesday. They're like, all right, we'll go there. And then they come back and they say, Hey, this coach said, he's going to send us this Oberliga team starting next week, the whole next week. And they both sign there. Mm. But it, goes to show like once you're there it happens but if you're if you're saying like hey if i came to germany yeah you me on trial it's just like it's kind of like such a far concept for them but yeah, if it's yeah. like i'm here 
I'm here. I'll show up tonight. I have my boots. Like, and it's seventh league or fifth league. You just don't know what will come of it. No idea. It's like such a great point. And Sean and I, I think we even did like a full episode just on how to email a club from our experience. And no club is going to pay for your flight out to get a trial here unless you're at, you know, some crazy good level. Even if you have a good resume, it's like the best thing to do, like you said, is to say, I'm here. Can I come Tuesday night and train with you guys? You know, I'm here. You don't have to do anything because a lot of the times they will just say yes. Sometimes, especially in like Oberliga or even Landesliga, you know, they won't have a full team. Guys are working sometimes too. Guys have children. So they might just need the numbers. If you're good enough and bring that and don't bring that session down, you'll get invited to the next day. It's like this making connections and then showing that you're here and they don't have to do anything. I think is such a big thing for guys to learn. Huge. I mean, that point of like making them not have to do anything is like mm. the single biggest like recipe as to why we're able to get players to Europe, young players, right? Because a lot of our guys are not going to go to Dortmund and Schalke and Bochum where they have house, right? So then the next step below that, you have like MSV Duisburg, you've got Oberhausen, uh, even Gladbach, like you've got clubs like that that won't supply housing, won't supply visas, don't want to go through FIFA clearance because they say, look, your player's marginally better than, you know, Franz from the next village, right? But that marginal difference requires so much paperwork and processing. And then I don't even know culturally if he'll fit in. Where if we can eliminate all those barriers as a, as a brand and say, look, we'll cover, we'll figure out his visa. We'll get him through FIFA clearance. We'll get housing, health insurance. We'll like give get his unmeldung, like, just like the same guy we will get him to training you don't need to give him a ride anything like that once you do that like the difference is just it's astronomical you know because they don't want to and i get it like why would i want to be like if i'm part-time at this club like do i really want to spend my like tuesday night at like the burgermeister bureau like you know filling out this kid's paperwork and then he says in six weeks yo it sucks here i want to go home and it's just like you know, so it's like you've got to eliminate those barriers. And then for your foreign players, like create an environment where they're comfortable, but not too comfortable. Like that's kind of the balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good point. If you're, if you're able to make it as minimal as possible, give them no work at all, no extra work. Because like you said, you have Hans from the next village and yeah, like, there, there, Franz, there are players yeah, that are Franz. just as good. But yeah, if you can not- eliminate that, then, you know, they're the players would- in front of them. If they're good, they're good. I always say, like, I wish I had the opportunity to, like, play for free. Like, imagine yeah. you could just go to a club. Yeah. And, tell and, like, I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'll play for free. And just, yeah. like, I always think about that. Yeah. Because like, at that point, because it is, it comes down to money. Like, yeah. even some of the guys I'm now pushing to Oberliga clubs, I'll tell the parents, like, look, if there's a way you can just make this happen for free, this kid will get signed there. And like, then the next, like, then he's an Oberliga player or a regular league player. And that's on his resume. And mm. other clubs look at him like that. Yeah. But if you say, hey, I need the money to break even for the first year, where like you'd be paying for college in the States anyway. You yeah. know, you say like, find a way to just like get by and let him play for free. And like, you will do this kid for his dreams, like so much help. Yeah, and- yeah completely agree. At any level, too. I mean, like Sean and I, there's a funny story where I came to the Oberliga and was playing for 30 bucks a month 
basically a pizza money because there were some things with the owner that, you know, we won't get into, but like, for me, it was, it didn't really matter at that point because it was like, can I score goals and work my way up? And then I did. And I'm in the regional Liga now, but if you told someone, a player back home in, in the, in the U S Hey, come to the Oberliga and you know, we'll get you a, we'll get you a nice pizza once a month and you can play here. You have to pay your rent and everything, but it's an investment in yourself and in your career it's tough to convince guys to see the bigger picture. I think it's crazy. And especially with the youth guys where you still have the Avenue to go back to college. I mean, I remember the colleges I was like emailing and reaching out to before I went to Germany versus after it was like, I was like begging like Stony Brook to like invite me to their ID camp, you know, but then once you're there and it's like, look, I'm playing U19 Bundesliga. It's like, everybody's going to respond. They know the level. Right. And then Oberliga was even more extreme. Most college coaches know the level of Oberliga. And if you're playing that at 18, like by the time you show up as a freshman, like at college, like you've seen things that these kids could not even imagine. Like, and that's what made it lost my interest in college soccer. But it's just like, you've been around the purest form of football. And now you're mm. going what I believe is like, you know, the most artificial form of football, you know? So it's just, it's tough. Absolutely. I mean, the I guess the experience is just invaluable in terms of, I mean, even a guy who comes, who you bring over, say, and he doesn't get anything, but the amount that he can learn and bring back into the American game, I think a lot of people don't see this as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I, I push almost in as the sales side of it is that like, look, we're not cookie cutter. You don't need to be like a, a U15 going into U16 to be eligible for our program. It's more like, if you're a young talented footballer and you want to like just develop, like you, you don't know where it's going to go yet, but you have to have this like addiction and obsession with just like getting better at a faster rate than you are in America. Like then that this is a perfect pipeline. And like in today's world with remote learning, like I, I always say like, if I could do it again and I am grateful for my Ivy league education, but if I could do it again, I honestly think I would have stayed and like, gone to like a top, like UNC Chapel Hill and done like my bachelor's degree through them completely online and like played in Europe. Like that's mm. what I would have done. And like, I can't say that for every kid because everybody has different dreams and aspirations. But my point is like, if you're like obsessed with soccer, which I would hope if you want to play in Europe and you just want to develop and you don't know where that's going to go yet, like you need to go I would say immediately, you just have to go, just go and play and do your school. But like you will develop at a much faster rate than you would in America. And that's just the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good point. And I totally agree with that. I, uh, Fabian Lewis, uh, who helped me get to Mongolia and then kind of gave me a lot of advice was always saying like Germany is the place to develop. Like you need to be in a place when I was 22 and stay there. Don't jump around country to country, but like you stick in a place and that's a perfect place to develop because when I came here, uh, even the Oberliga teams I was playing with, these are some of the best players I've ever seen and played with. And then the next team, it's like, oh, wow. Okay. There's, there's some really good players here as well. Then you jump up a level and then it's all, it all starts over again. Yeah, and then, true. you know, you could see a third Bundesliga or a second Bundesliga game on the weekend or regional league at the time when I was in the Oberliga. So, okay, this level is much better than where I'm at now. Yeah. And it's, it's just like a stepping stone every time. And it's, you're always chasing that next, that next level. Yeah. And it's, it's like I say, it can be daunting If you don't know, and you don't have anybody to tell you like, Hey, like this is USL. 
right? Like you're playing USL. Like there's Overliga teams that could completely have no problem hanging in USL, right? Like maybe fitness, they won't win the league, but they're certainly not going to fit at the bottom. But it doesn't feel like USL because if you're in USL, USL feels like Champions League at some of these clubs. Like the facilities, the way that guys, the aura, even like the arrogance, I'll say, of these guys, you right? Like it's, it's absurd. Where in Germany, you can get lost in the pyramid, I call it. You can get lost to think like, wow, I'm just treading water at this level. It's going to be really hard to go up. But like, you just have to remember, like, you could be playing top league in a lot of places. But like, you chose to be here because this is where you develop, you know? So it's... Yeah. It's one of the, one of the meccas, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bizarre place, but, but pretty cool, the, the lower side of it. I'd like to transition just to talk a little bit more about your entrepreneurship and then building a club, which I think is an amazing feat. I mean, so New Amsterdam, what was the idea of building a club with Nisa and, and, you know, what was that experience like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great experience. Um, the idea was that to, to not every player wants to, directly go abroad right so if you could kind of uh blueprint a you know bundesliga club or a big academy in the states um in terms of the youth academy set up pushing players into the men's team could you you know uh save kids from having to go abroad at 15 and 16 um, that was the initial thought you could kind of replicate that model here and at least get them ready and then if you could push them to the first team, that would increase their transfer market value or get them on transfer market. And you'd have like a viable business of like exporting top, you know, US talents there. So a kid that say is maybe not playing at LA Galaxy U19s, that's a kid we would have liked to say, hey, come here, develop, get pro games in, and then we'll ship you off to Europe like as a pro player, which, you know, holds a lot of wait as you go abroad so that was kind of the the initial idea on the football side and then on the club side it was like to build like a really cool uh like a village club within new york city right how could you like downsize new york city it was not to take over new york it was like how can you find a small segment of local people that could like get behind something really cool the same way an overleague club would it was really modeled off that and what were some of the barriers i know i it had to have been tough to find space to either train or to play home games. Of course you would want to play in the city, but I know the costs and things kind of made this a lot less viable. So what were some of those barriers and some of the things, the unforeseen challenges that you saw in the first years? Yeah. Uh, you know, launching during the pandemic was obviously like insanity. Um, yeah. so just like having, bringing money in constantly it's just like always like breathing down your neck and in retrospect we probably should have waited but you know football is so blinding right it's like you get excited about something and it's the same reason any sponsor like if you look at do you guys have kfc ording in the club Mm. yeah like you know like the guy like pumps like millions in there and he's just like blinded by it so it's a money losing business um, but you get blinded by just like the love for it, the development for it, the atmosphere of it, like being around the guys, like that stuff is blind. So it's like you get addicted and you want to start it right away, even if it goes against your better judgment. Um, so that was probably not the wisest thing. And then 
building it out in New York. You know, initially we thought U.S. soccer would work hand in hand with us a little bit more to like have like a pop-up stadium in Manhattan. Um, but then, you know, a lot of the uh, the places we were renting facilities just said like, look, because of COVID, like universities were off the table. So it was kind of like private organizations, which are not, you know, directly in New York. But there were glimpses of it that were as cool of a club as anybody you know, could ever start. I mean, if you yeah. ask like Eric Winald or Jermaine Jones, um, they're still like, dude, this is the coolest thing ever. Like I would ride my bike, like from Battery Park through Soho to like our training ground, like at Pier 40, like overlooking the city. Yeah. With guy. Like this is as cool as it gets. Um, but again, those are glimpses and fragments and, you know, the overall foundation needed to be somewhat stronger. For us who are trying to build this podcast and media brand and for others who listen to this podcast for similar things, I think we have to mention just how great of job you guys did in terms of the media and the branding of a club like that. So what was kind of the idea? Like what was the some of the things you wanted to bring in to kind of create this vibe of a people of the or a club of the people in New York City? Yeah, I mean, I think it's stuff that's that's carried over and is very evident with with two bridges as well is, yeah. um, you know, giving a feel for old New York, telling these stories. Um, my dad does the media, so it would be dishonest for me to take the credit for that. He does uh, an extraordinary job on that. Um, but I think my feeling comes through on it too of what we want to showcase that there is a gritty side to New York City that still exists. Um, so like, you know, with two bridges, we've been able to like kind of pass the torch along and really tell those cool stories and show that cool imagery. Um, Cause especially as New York moves in the direction of like more corporate and more transplants and more, you know, things of that nature to show that like, there is like this, this pretty, pretty gnarly soccer subculture that exists here. Um, you know, amidst all the chaos, I think really drew a lot of people in. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I can't imagine the difficulties of, you know, you, having all of this experience in Europe and founding and helping a club in a closed system, like in America. So in terms of like, I guess, realistically speaking, but also maybe in terms of your vision of a U.S. soccer utopia, I know promotion relegation with MLS seems kind of far-fetched, but do you see any realistic pathway between the lower leagues, maybe where the game with NISA NISA or whether it's USL, that there is, a more linear progression in path between the youth to the pro to relegation, promotion, fan culture, anything like this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, it's like, I mean, when we went into NISA, like I was very realistic that like winning the NISA league would not get us anywhere. So that was never my site. My site was like, can we create a sustainable, cool club? and pushed local talent to the next level. I thought like that was my form of promotion in terms mm-hmm. of like individual, mm-hmm. because look, you win Nisa, it's like, you know, you could invest three times as much money, win the league and then and be in the same league the next year. It's like, how do you really get juice for that? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think the only way it could happen in America is if like all the small forces join. Um, that's the only way. So. I consider USL in there, but if like USL and NISA could join um, forces and, and have like a first and second tier with 
promotion relegation. I think that's somewhat viable. You, they'd have to really, you know, put the egos away and um, bring in some of those. So some of those good, well-run organizations at the NISA level, which certainly do exist. Um, I think with MLS, it's going to be difficult. I mean, the other issue is those guys, like, you know, seeing the business side of it, like the guys that invested into MLS or into an MLS club, they invested into being in the top league of football. Right. And like, so it's like a, it's a boys club. Like they all tell each other, like, Hey, we're all here. We're all in the first league. Like, why would you want to, I'd be the same if I were a purely in a business investor. And you told me like, I could play in the Bundesliga and no matter what happened, I would never get relegated. I'd get the same TV deal every year. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a club like LAFC is their fans, which they have a good fan, but those people, like I can tell you, they're not ready to get relegated and play like away at union Omaha. Like they're just not <laughs> like, they're not. <laughs> it's not there. Um, so it would be, it would be tough. I mean, look, I think it should be done. I think it should have been done yesterday and just see what happens. Like there's enough financial backing for USL clubs and MLS clubs to survive it. Um, but I think the only way it'll happen is if it, it's like a lower league revolution, uh, which would be, should be pretty cool to see yeah yeah time will tell fingers crossed on that um you you mentioned two bridges before and we we absolutely love the idea of this nonprofit uh, organization that's not only football but academic as well and leadership um how can people get involved in this and, and donate yeah um through our website it's it's two bridges.club um that would be the easiest way to inquire donate or donate time is a big one too like you know footballers that you know or even listen to this podcast that are in new york like come out to a training session come Mm -hmm. talk to the boys like we do a whole leadership development panel where like players that have been through it the college and pro process will come talk so time is just as valuable you know like just to hear somebody or to come train with the guys and like see like oh wow this is this guy's level like this is serious um it's huge it's it's and and i'm humbled by you know the support of the the donors but also just the people that say like look i I believe in this mission um but again another mission that faces like you know the lack of promotion relegation like you know we beat yesterday we beat an mls next team um which is now like you know u.s development academy's new form and we've beaten new england revolution and it's like we're still in like it's like totally crappy league where we win games like seven and eight zero and it's hard to keep our boys motivated. So it's like, you know, um, it's, it's, it's harsh to see, but you know, you hope at least at the youth level, uh, you know, us soccer could. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I haven't been involved as much being abroad for such a long time and in the youth game in in the U S besides training players and things like this. So what is, what is the system now? Why, do you have to wait to the end of the season to get into a new league? Do you have to apply for a new league? How does it work and how does it differ from say the German youth systems? Yeah. I mean, it's all application based. So they look at your financials, how many players you've sent to D one programs, how many players, Uh how many B license and a license coaches you have on staff. And um, look, I get it. Like nobody wants to send a team up to, you know, get killed or to go bankrupt but it's also like 
you know, this may be my, naive of me, but like, look at the results. You know, what does it mean beyond the results? Like whether we have this much money or this much money or this many coaches, like if you're consistently beating those teams, like, you know, just look at that. Like, wouldn't you want it to be better? Wouldn't you want to bring those kind of clubs in? Um, so I think that's a, that's a big issue. Um, and then also they bring in, they bring in clubs, right? You bring clubs into the league and in Germany, just because you're, U19s are great. Doesn't mean your U17s also get to also play Bundesliga. Like you still need to earn it there, and you still need to fight relegation. Uh, and I, I just think like the talents that we're leaving behind with this system is it's criminal. I mean, we, there's just no way we can compete really for a World Cup unless we tap into the inner city players in America um, and just get merit based. There needs to be some you know merit-based system because you're just there's just too many guys that are being left behind that you're not that aren't getting the proper coaching the proper amount of sessions per week i mean they get left behind and those are guys that could help us close the gap is there is there a street football or street soccer culture in new york city uh there is i think like a lot of the hispanic leagues are, Uh are you know proof of concept there there is a lot of like small sided leagues that happen um, where there's certainly a, a, a ton of talent. Um, but again, you guys know you can't just be a street soccer player. Like at 13 or 14 latest, like you need to be like, use that ability and be molded into like a, a product. And if you don't have the money or the ability to, you know, rise through the ranks with your team, it's tough. You don't play the good teams. The good colleges don't see you. Nobody sees you. You know, like we've got a kid who I like, I would argue is one of the best players in New York. And it's like, why the hell is he playing at our club? Like no disrespect to two British, but like in America, like case in point, we beat this MLS next team. He scores like three incredible goals for us to win. We're playing up a year. I was telling the kids like in Germany, this kid would not be at our club the next day. He'd probably be gone. Like they would put him in there. Like it, but it's just like, it it doesn't move that way. There's other reasons. There's other externalities. We're in Europe. And that's why I'm so addicted to keep that connection to Europe. It's like, you're judged on how you play today and not what your dad does or doesn't do. It's what, what, what can you deliver us as a club? Right. And, and that just makes it so difficult to operate in America. And that's why I focus on look like leverage school to to change your life, because just football is going to be tough in this country. Why do you think it's so difficult for Americans to kind of grasp this concept? I mean, I know you said the notion maybe status or ego, but what makes it so that it's not just merit based on in terms of football? Because I feel like a lot of the time in the U.S. and American culture, it is merit based. So if you, you know, if you do the job, if you, if you put in the work, I guess, or if you just have the opportunities, but I mean, maybe two bridges doesn't have the scope as this MLS next team, but you just played an MLS next team. And it's maddening to me to think he could score three goals against them. And they're not knocking on your door right after saying, you know, what's this guy's deal. You've been in Germany too long. I think. <laughs> I know I'm becoming German, man. Uh, no. I mean, I think it, it could become um, merit-based, but, but again, there's, it, it boils down, there's no relegation, mm. right? 
like there's just such a comfort like they, they don't like that club or somebody they don't really want to be better they they'd like to improve but they're not desperate to be better because they know the implications of going down to under the U19 Bundesliga, right? There's no threat there. It's kind of like, let's be good. Let's move kids to college. Let's train them the right way. But it's not like I am desperate to like beat out my neighborhood rival. There's just like a difference in intensity and in purpose behind that. And I believe it stems from promotion relegation because there's no threat at the bottom and you could lose every game and you're in the league the next year like you know so it's like what is the pressure to do better there's no transparency yeah and and coming back to um i mean in the u.s i guess i don't know how many opportunities there are for going on trials in the u.s but what are your advice to players going on trial i know you mentioned before you kind of have a workshop not a workshop but you kind of teach them the little things uh incrementally um what about calming nerves and limiting the fear of making mistakes and going out to, to play your best instead of being scared to make a mistake? Yeah. I mean, I always say fit in, then stand out. Right. I think mm. even with session, like fit in and show that if, if I took this guy, he would seamlessly fit into the group and then show something. Okay. That's the element he brings. I think too much in either direction you know, then it's kind of like you, it's that classic conversation where it's like, I already have three of you, right? Like I already have three sentiments that do what you do. And then the, uh, the other side of it is just like, look, you don't fit our system. So fit in then stand out. Um, I think with the football side of it and the nerves and stuff, just like understand like there will be other opportunities and they may not be immediate and they may not be on your, your timeline and you may feel some regret if you didn't do your but but like there will be other opportunities if you mm -hmm. keep pushing for them and doing the work and the contacts and stuff like that like it it will materialize um so just like go out and enjoy it i mean at the end of the day the majority of us are not doing this for the money right there's other things most people could do to make the same or more money so like enjoy it like you have to that's the root of it if it's not there then why bother if you're going to beat yourself up over it or you know put that pressure on yourself then it's like you might as well do something else if, if it's going to bring you that much you know anxiety so just enjoy it for what it is and understand that like there are people that can no longer play the game of football because of injuries or you know the fact that you're already there and been invited to a club is a success in itself like now just go out and love that the fit in and stand out may be the quote of the day too also yeah. i mean just the the notion to enjoy it because you never know you never know how blessed you are with the opportunity but before we get into our little fast feet round at the end of our quick fire questions i'd like to come back to the present and just you know where can people find what you're doing with the foosball project and the two bridges and what do we have coming up in the near future yeah so Foosball Project is just um, at the Foosball Project on Instagram and then uh, Two Bridges is at Two Bridges underscore on Instagram. And we're like always pushing out new content, new ideas on that. Some cool stories to follow. Um, what is coming next? We are opening up FP Residency, which is a residency program for players to live under a house in Germany 
uh, I call it like a development sprint, meaning like if you're going to come over to Germany and you're going to play a second league team, which is probably where you should be, uh, you may only train three times a week and you're trying to close the gap between you and the Bundesliga players. So you need to go into a development sprint, which means, you know, a technical trainer or a fitness trainer or physio comes every morning, then your meals are curated then you train at night with a, a, a club that's at your level and you see like how far can I get 18 months worth of development in 10 months? Is that possible? Um, living all under the same roof and kind of eliminating those barriers of like the discomfort, the homesickness, because you're with guys that are, you know, fueling off each other um, in that same struggle to kind of, you know, break through to the top level. So that's coming this summer. And I'm, I'm excited about it. It'll be a smaller pilot program, but I think it's just a really cool concept to say like, look, it doesn't need to be optically very pretty, but it's just like, we're all here for the same reason to just like develop, 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 mm -hmm. prove, um, regardless of like where we are right now, um, to just make that jump. So that's, that's we're excited to see it too. I mean, it's all about, like you said, it's just closing the gap between the yeah. advantages that they have in Europe. So you know, we'll be, be sure to plug that too. And, you know, we're looking forward to that. And we're going to get into our fast feet round. So our first one is favorite player growing up. Uh, Mesut Ozil. Love it. Classic. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite moment? Uh, I think avoiding overleague relegation was pretty big. And it's crazy because people would be like, what? You avoided losing but it's it's a win in itself how crazy that the I'll culture that is up on, a, on a first date like that's not first date material that that was my biggest <laughs> thing. depends on who she's a fan of you know how about most difficult moment i think just like my first uh groin reconstruction surgery yeah. favorite place to travel mallorca my oh, you're you so German. German. <laughs> you German. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I'm ashamed to say it. Hey, honesty though. How about best advice you ever received? Um, do you know the quote? Der Ball ist rund und das Spiel geht 90 Minuten. It's like the ball is round and yeah. the game goes 90 minutes. Like it's as simple as that. Mm. Uh, I, I, that always just stuck with me. I loved it. I just, never heard I that. I think I've heard that one. I don't think I've heard that one either, but I could immediately grasp the simplicity of the message. I'm like, bringing that into training. <laughs> just like, because we were playing like a higher, a higher league. Uh, it was like a cup game and it was like a higher league team. And it's just like, look at the end of the day, like the ball's round, the game goes 90 minutes. That's it. And it was just like, all right, let me put it like that. You know? Yeah. Like that. 10 minutes later, yeah, chasing right. shadows. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Dylan could tell us some of his uh, Leverkusen experience with that. Yeah. Yeah, we played them in a Pokal game uh, in their stadium, and right. it was chasing shadows. It's just another level. Biggest name was like Kai Havertz there? Or before? No, Kai had, just just, Kai had just left. So, I mean, Florian Verts, Diaby, Tabsoba. Um, You're giving me anxiety. Oh, it was crazy. It was crazy. And like, that's one of the most fit I've been. And I mean, it's still, it's just, there's levels to the movement where you're like, I mean, Diaby is the fastest player I've ever seen in my life. It's, it didn't make sense. What an experience, man. That's oh, crazy. Player. Best player you've ever played against? Uh, Hyungmin Son. Ooh, yeah. did you play when you were on trial at Hamburg or how did that? 
No, so so Enipatal does this like where I played Oberliga, they do this big U19 tournament where they bring in all these clubs and they said, like, could you come down and play with the U19? So I was like, Yeah, no problem. Thinking like, yeah, I'll I'll carry the ship here. And I got <laughs> first game is against Hamburg, and I'm like matched up one to one with him. And I just remember he just like tore me to shreds. Um about the I technique. Well, yeah, he was just like the amount of power he had. Mm. Like he was great train. Like he's quick, but he just like he he gives you like a piece of the ball and you think you can get it. And then he just like drops a shoulder and like like rides the tackle. And I was just like, this is this is the next level. Yeah. Can't imagine either. How about best player you played with? Uh Leonardo Bittencourt. I don't know where he plays now, but he played in the Bundesliga for years, like Werder Bremen, Cologne. I'm curious where he plays now. What but position he had, was he? Uh he was a winger um brazilian german we played at energy cottbus we were roommates there mm. uh and he was just like the best player i've played with yeah. and well, i think like there's bigger names that i've played with but um but i think he was the best one. although like jermaine jones hopped into a couple training sessions where like it was like you oh, could see but, yeah and like he still has it and he's like a pit bull and we're just like like sl- like two foot in the academy player because like he wanted to like you know win the 5v5 game and i was like okay that's what it takes which was really cool. levels always levels yeah favorite book uh probably the sun also rises by hemingway okay love it and maybe this one ties into uh best advice but also maybe a little different a quote that you live by wouldn't say it's a quote but i would just say go where it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. like your best uh growth will happen outside of your comfort zone yeah that's great advice mm-hmm. i love it all right max thanks you thank you uh thank you for coming on we're excited to see uh all the endeavors especially this little development center you're creating this summer i i really like that idea and think it yeah you guys oh. should come down it'd be awesome on like the bye weekend or on a slow yeah. Where is it exactly? What is the city? It'll be in Dusseldorf. So we okay, perfect. Yeah, cool facility. You can come show us a thing or two. <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to just come down and and see the guys and you know we pick each other's brains in person a little bit maybe over a, over a beer. I'd love yeah. that. Awesome. Another great one. Another uh, we've had a lot of ties to Germany. I guess maybe that's the connections that we bring and everything. But um, it's always great to kind of have, you know, opinions and stories from people who have been such involved with a Mecca like like Germany with how things run, trying to bring some of these ideas back into the USA. And I mean, I I really love the idea of two bridges. You know, I, uh, of course, you're indebted to Football Project as well as I because of the connection that that formed. But also, just this idea of a nonprofit giving back to, you know, players, especially inner city youth in New York City, I think is such a great avenue. And if people can get involved somehow, you know, players, coaches, if you're in New York City, um, just like you said, just getting down, getting involved somehow, um, just time. It doesn't even have to be money all yeah. the time. So, you know, look out for them, look out for what they're doing, especially with their development program going live in Germany soon. And yeah, you know, ambitious guys, Max and, you know, his father and the people around him. And, you know, they, they've they provided such 
I think great avenues for players over the years and great content and great learning experiences. And, you know, I'm excited to see what's next for them in these, in these endeavors. Yeah, me too. And like you said, I think it's not only financially uh, how you can donate to them, but especially players or former players or coaches, uh, you know, just giving your story. I think that mm-hmm. helps. I know when we were first out of college, hearing people, even at like soccer visa combines and stuff was eye-opening because you, you don't know, information, you don't yeah. know anything. You're just so mm-hmm. ignorant to it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that information helps. Um, so yeah, please reach out, follow them, follow the story, help out if you can. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited to see, to see where everything goes. I still really like that fit in and then stand out. Yeah. It's not a, and I want people to know this, at least how I took it is, the fit in standpoint is like doing those little things, shaking yeah. the hands, trying to speak a little of the language, whether you're in Germany, speaking German, trying these little things to fit in with the team, you know, staying for a guy's birthday after you don't have to have the beer. You just, yeah. you know, have a Fanta or something. Fitting in with the group and Fitting then in with footballing the group, wise is where you can stand out. out. Exactly. But the first part is crucial because if you don't fit in with the group, even in training, the players just won't give you the ball or their two things are huge together. And I don't think one. You and, and it's, one doesn't exist without the other, at least yeah. not long term. You're yeah. you balling out can only stand on its own for so long until people are like, OK, you know, because exactly. performances don't always come. And so if you don't have your performances, you need to be able to fall back on the part where he's a good teammate. He's working right. hard. He's doing the little things. Right. The performances don't always come. You can't always just stand in that pillar where I'm a baller, but you yeah. know, everything else. And Dylan's waving his finger now. So let's be clear. It's getting big. It's getting, it's getting big. big. But yeah, yeah. It's a very good quote. Besides that, man, I just want to open this up to people because like you mentioned with the soccer visa, one of the huge reasons we started this podcast was to just provide information as well as inspiration to others who are looking to do similar paths, you know, and it's been a little bit football, soccer concentrated, and especially in the past episodes. But yeah, we want people to know, like on our website, you can always reach out to us with questions, fill out a consultation form. And, you know, we've had... I don't know, maybe 15 now, 20 guys um, reaching out, you know, and it's, you know, we can't always help you. We can't always point you in the right direction, but we'll try and we'll give you the information we know because we've been doing this for a good amount of time. And there's a lot of guys that we learn from another reason why we did this podcast, but all that information is there to get. And if you guys want, you can get more specific information from us anytime for free. All we ask is for an email in return, you know, so all these little things that, you know, may can help you all the things that can help us subscribe to our newsletter, you know, liking posts, subscribing, all those things help, like we said. And yeah, that's it. I'm done wagging my finger. Well said. So until next time, keep moving forward, keep learning and make your own path. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club
He messed yeah. me up. I mean, he can just he can just mash it together, so it's fine. 